when we're showing up courageously, when we choose to live a courageous life, when we choose to have courageous conversations, when we choose to deliver that presentation courageously, when we choose to go to that job interview courageously, what people are seeing as a confident person, I see confidence as a byproduct of living courageously. So if you want return on investment, focus your attention on being more courageous and a lot of this confidence will take care of itself. Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where I'm on a mission to help you unleash your full potential. Today's guest is Carl Massey, a life and business strategist and an expert in creating authentic success and happiness. Carl has been an Australian Army major for over 10 years. He's worked as a senior consultant to the Olympic Games and now helps people and coaches people in creating the life of their dreams. And so we're going to dive deep in this episode into creating authentic success and happiness, what it really is, and the steps that are necessary to take in order to actually get there and create a life that you love on a daily basis. I had a blast during this episode. Let's dive right in. Now, before we get into really the you know really specific insights and tools and techniques of, of what you can really do to create a happy life, I first want to dive a little bit into your own story because I think there's so many valuable lessons there that we could draw mm. from, from you know, the way that you transitioned in your life to the way that you really found your purpose and mission in yep. life. Yep. So can you yep. show you know, our listeners a little bit about your background story and how you, you know, got to the army, how you actually had tea with Queen Elizabeth II? <laughs> <laughs> I really want to hear that story. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I'll, I'll slip that in there at some yeah, point. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting story in the different times I tell it that goes in different directions. So... Um, for me, I joined the army when I was 17 and one of the things out of that was I realised and I've sort of reviewed my whole life and I've looked at what I've done great, what I've done less than great and I've <laughs> psychoanalysed my entire life. So one of the things I realised is I joined the army um, because I was probably encouraged by my father and I wanted to be like my father and so many of us end up going into professional pursuits because of encouragement by other parents are like yeah you should do this <laughs> yeah absolutely so i ended up and um, did military went through the military went to the military academy in australia called well australian defense force academy and then done through and graduated as a lieutenant from there and started this journey in the military i look there was bits i loved about the military and it's crafted me in particular ways and that sort of stuff but i I always struggled against it. So it's interesting that I actually lasted for 14 years yeah. in the military and got to a stage where I was a major. But a couple of things happened along the way that caused me to take a step back and question whether this was the path that I wanted to be on. And one of the biggest things was I took a year's leave without pay from the military and I went over to the UK, travelled through Europe and, and did that for 12 months. Wow. And what I realized was once I left the, the military and the institution and the institutional beliefs and all of this thing, and I, and I left my family and all of that as well, I started to discover a little bit more about who and what I was. And I realized there was a bunch of things I was buying into that weren't necessarily myself, a bunch of beliefs I had. So that got me fascinated about this idea of, you know, who am I at my core and 
why am I behaving in this way? Why am I thinking in this way? So I think that introduced me to this idea of us being a product of our environment, us being a product of the beliefs from our family and from those institutions that we're embedded in. So it was after that, I took that 12 months and then I came back to Australia, back into the military. Um, and I just didn't feel settled back in. I had part of me that wanted to move on and do something I really wanted to do working with people. I sort of knew that was a part and then there was the military and we, we get in the habit of doing something that we've always done and become good at and we don't have the courage to move away from it. So, you know, I had some crash and burn moments as, you know, like dark night of the souls as, as sometimes we need to have because we, we won't wake up unless that happens. And then I turned the television on. It was like a Sunday night. I'd been drinking like a crazy man all weekend and there was this infomercial. This is 1999. Um, Anthony Robbins, success <laughs> coach from the States. He was the right guy to interrupt my little story and my little life performance. I needed someone big. He's like six foot seven. Yeah, he's tall. <laughs> no, he's, yeah, he's got this huge presence. So I don't know, maybe it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm watching this infomercial on television. Before you know it, I've rang up and ordered one of his programs and it was this um, personal power too. So Easter 1999, I did this program and just just shattered the old me and created the new me and changed the course of my life. And I got into yoga. Um, I quit drinking or lowered it way, way, way down. Um, and I also um, started eating as a vegetarian. Still had a bit of seafood, but so I made this huge course correction. I was a major in the army at the time and it sort of just pivoted things in a whole different directions. All my friends thought I was a weirdo. They thought I was mad. There's <laughs> these guys in the army around me. I would go to a barbecue, an Aussie barbecue with my army buddies. I would bring soda waters or light beers <laughs> or bring some vegetables to grill on the barbecue. <laughs> I know that struggle. And mate, yeah, and my mates would tell me to F off. They would say, come back and you've got a case of beer on your shoulders and five kilograms of beef or something like that. <laughs> so it took a while to transition through that. And I think that was the thing that sort of strengthened my resolve. I was really clear about wanting to make this transition in a different direction. So that for me was a pivotal time in my life and traveled. Um, <laughs> the story of the Queen Elizabeth II, that was when I was at the, the Royal Military College. <laughs> We were getting new um, colours or flags presented to us. So got to hang out with Queen Elizabeth and she made me feel tall because I'm 165 <laughs> centimetres and she was like way lower than me. Yeah. I was like, I like this. I like this. Friendly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the things I did, I finally had the courage to leave the military and travel overseas and um, started consulting to Olympic Games. But... What I've realized as well when I was down this path of the Olympics was there's a lot of great things to it, but, you know, I was in security consulting, um, bomb management specialist, anti-terrorism stuff. I, I realized like a lot of what I was doing in my role as a consultant was creating fear in my clients, mm -hmm. the organizing committee or the the security and all the bad stuff that could happen, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then we were like, you know, talking about we can alleviate pain. Like it just went against doing what I was. So wake up call number two for me was I was working in Athens at the 2004 Olympic Games 
and I got pneumonia. And then on top of that, pleurisy. Pleurisy is like an infection on the lining of the, the lungs. It feels like every time you breathe and they rub against your ribs, you feel like you got cracked ribs. Uh, holy cow. That was life saying to me, like, you need to get out of this game. Like, it's not in alignment with your path. It's not in alignment with who and who you want to be. It's not your path. It's not your dharmic path. All of that stuff. So it finally gave me the courage to step away and get into coaching. And that's where I landed end of 2007 and I've been ever since. So best decision I ever made. <laughs> Painful to get there, but I was so grateful for it. Yeah, I love that. There's so much good stuff in here. Really, you just mentioned it, these painful processes, right? And I think that's such an important point. Like, because human beings, usually, the way we change is through pain, right? Most of the times in our lives, yeah. it's, it's when, we, when we experience this immense amount of pain, right? Whether it's through sickness, whether it's through, you know, death in the family, whether it's through tragedy, whether it's through just realizing, hey, this isn't working, right? Like, something is wrong. That's how people change, right? And so this is actually yeah. such a wonderful opportunity for you. And you just mentioned this before, right? How you learn and, and the army, right? You, you realize your core values just weren't aligned with that anymore. Absolutely. And you, you have to change, right? And that is such an important point. So how yeah. can people really make sure that in those moments when they, they feel that pain inside of them, right? They're like, ah, life, something isn't working. How, do they, how can they channel that fuel as as a positive mm. thing for change rather than, you know, getting hung up in that and, you know, get depressed or frustrated or angry at that. Yeah. I, but the more I've, I've studied and I've gone down, like I was a co-owner in a yoga center for five years and I've just left recently. So yoga has been something I've studied over the last 20 years, a lot of meditation work and Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and that oh, sort yeah. of thing. So now I'm a big believer and we might need to sit in a space and with a level of conscious awareness where we can actually see the bigger picture. Most of my work as a coach is helping people unravel the stories they tell and challenging the stories they tell, particularly to get them out of a reactive state of mind. So if someone's telling a story um, so much emotionally intensely in, in it, I've got the sympathetic nervous system going off they're in the mid part of their brain. They've got the brain capacity of a mammal. You know, they're, they're, they're beautiful dog, but they don't have access to a broader perspective and the bigger picture. And they don't have access to creativity. So my first thing with people is like saying, you need to like be able to step back and like see the bigger picture. And you might need to learn some strategies or tools to, to dampen the emotional intensity so you can actually see what's going on. Because when we're in that reactive state, we've gone tunnel vision, mm. you know, like, and we can't see the big picture and we can't solve things when we're looking through a tunnel. Like, we need to see the big picture, then we can see our way out of it. So a lot of my work is helping people change their emotional state. So then in the right emotional state, they can make good choices. I'll give you an example. So. I left this yoga business after five years. I was doing business coaching for the two founders. And then just before they opened, they said, um, it's much cheaper for you to come in as a, yeah. as a business partner. Um, <laughs> so I became a co-owner in the yoga center. I was with that for, you know, over three years. And then a few things happened. And I started like, well, this is slightly out of alignment with my core value of leadership. So, you know, a few things happen and you're like in that emotional state and that's not where you make decisions. 
So what I do is I pack my bags. I go to the east coast of Bali. So I've been living. Well, in yeah. I'm on the coast there. I'm in this bungalow. There's zero distraction around wow. me. I drop into that place of calm. I plug into Mother Nature and this force that's bigger than all of us. And in that space, I ask the true question. I say, my question was, do I still want to be um, working in this business? And in that quiet place, it was, a, it was not a hell yeah, and it was like a no. Then I asked myself the question, do I still want to be invested in this business? Again, I asked myself in that place of calm. So I can hear the truth, which sometimes is a quieter voice. It gets drowned out by a reactivity. So I make those choices in those moments. And I recognize that even though they feel just right, there's still some pain and discomfort I need to go through mm. to disentangle myself from the experience I'm in the middle of. So what I make sure is I don't, I don't base whether I'm making a good or bad decision based on the feedback of the challenge of carrying out that decision because there's going to be challenges because I've been involved in this thing for five years. But I make those choices in the calm moments. So what I say to people is like, people aren't going to know whether am I doing what I'm doing because I love it or because of my parents have led me in this direction or my teachers influenced me or someone said, you should be doing this. I, I, I don't know that I don't have enough awareness unless I step back and get really quiet. And then I, then I can have a felt sense as well. So it's not just a intellectual thing. I'm actually feeling it at a body sense. And then I know it. I'm like, ah, that feels like coherent between my brain and my heart. You know, there's electromagnetic fields yeah. of balance and you're like, okay, yeah, I've got it. And you, and you know the times in your life when you've made a decision and it just, it just hums. It's like, I don't know, the angels are singing or the choir singing <laughs> or something like that. And you're like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm making the right choice. Mm. So that's my advice for, you know, how to know when we really are touching the truth. Yeah, I love that so much because I think oftentimes we're, we're so busy like in life, right? Just getting through the day-to-day -day business that we never really take the time to, like you say, just step back for a moment and really see the whole picture, right? Um, so I love this, this process of, you know, really leaving even your day-to-day your -day life and going somewhere completely different. It sounds like you've done that before with, you know, going to Europe for a year. Um, Steve yeah. Jobs was famous for doing his like thinking weeks, right? Of just disconnecting yeah. from the world and just thinking for a week. Because in, like, yeah. if you just constantly check into emails and social media and like you're doing that stuff, you can never have like the mental clarity to actually really reflect on your life. And I, I just do the same thing, right? I usually go in the mountains yeah. and that's why I do my remember thinking and like my planning and my visualizing and that kind of stuff. So I think it's yeah. so important that people really find a ritual that works for them that actually allows them to really step back and observe their lives. So I think that's, that's so important, like you say. And then again, pain is, is also a fact of that, right? Like, the transition yeah. isn't going to be easy, right? It's not, no. it's not going to be this, this funny thing. It's like everything easy yeah. once you set that goal. No, it's going to be hard. But that's yeah. part of life, I think, and part of any worthy goal that you want to achieve in your life. But it's this, just the process of figuring out. It's so important, yeah. Yeah. Look, if we go into the gym and lift a very light weight, like we're not going to get the muscle yeah. growth. <laughs> part of the muscle growth is it gets torn apart, rebuilds itself, regenerates, and away we go. So... We need to be more comfortable with discomfort and that, you know, if we want to be high performers and high achievers and that sort of stuff. Um, Angela Duckworth talked about in her book, Grit, and her presentations on grit. And that was certainly something the military, you know, I, I'm thankful for my experience in the military because it did teach me 
grit, resilience, tenacity, showing up and getting the job done because a lot of times too, it might be too hard. And I remember working with a client and she was using um, in her life as a gauge to whether she's, you know, going down the right path as to whether it was uncomfortable or not. And if it was uncomfortable or too uncomfortable, she would back off thinking, oh, I'm making the wrong choice. I was like, no, that's actually not how it works. A lot of times when you're making the right choice, you're going to feel uncomfortable. I mean, I've been doing public speaking since I was 20 years old and I just recently turned 50. And I was doing a presentation a couple of days ago to a, a yoga teacher training course. And I said to him, I said, look, the night before I was feeling uncomfortable. I was feeling nervous. I was a bit churning in the stomach. I said, and I've been doing this for 30 years. I said, be okay with like feeling this discomfort, just own it. And, you know, some of the research now is suggesting um, that's feedback that you actually care about what you're doing. That's why you're feeling this discomfort, mm -hmm. because you care. If you didn't care, you know, you wouldn't feel anything. So uh, be okay with discomfort. Oh, that's so important. And I, I, I forgot who said it. I think it was f some famous comedian, but, but something along the lines of, like, the moment I stop feeling nervous when I'm about to perform, I'll quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, like that's part of the whole excitement, right? It's like the actual nervousness, like you going to bed the night before, like wondering how's it gonna go, right? How am I gonna feel, right? And, and I feel yeah. like once that's gone, and you, then it, it becomes so predictable, right? It becomes so predictable yeah. if you know exactly, oh, this is how it's gonna happen, and this is what's gonna go on, and like that's boring, right? And we, yeah. people don't want to feel bored, like after, like over and over and over again. So I think it's so important to to really make sure that like you realize that the whole process of feeling uncomfortable is just part of the whole game. That's part of the fun, I think, as well. It's just seeking out that, like, the discomfort and seeing how far can I push myself, right? How, how much discomfort can I possibly take into my life? And I found that is yeah. one of the greatest joys of life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in a weird way, in a weird way, it's really the, yeah. the most exciting thing, I think, just to see oh, how look, far you can push yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I remember in the military, like we were doing exercise, going through the jungle, it's pouring down rain on us. It's just miserable. And I would just start laughing. And it was, just, <laughs> and it was that stuff that would get you through adversity. When you can actually yeah. laugh at the discomfort of the experience you're having, or the ridiculousness of the experience you're having, <laughs> or the complete mess of the experience, when you can get to that place, like, you know, you start tapping into a superpower. There's no doubts about it. For sure, um, for sure. I thought I had the other oh, the other day. I thought I had the other moment. Um, I, I I like the idea between force and power. So there's a great book called Power Versus Force. But for me, it's um, we can go through life forcing, you know, a lot of the way and like making it harder than it needs to be. Now I'm not an advocate of you don't make life harder than it needs to be. So when we talked about retreating to those places to get into those still places. That for me is when we tap into power. And if we tap into power, and for me, one of the greatest superpowers is creativity. So if we tap into our you know, superpower when we're quiet and we have no distractions, and like you said, we remove ourselves from the familiar people, feedback and all that sort of thing, and we drop into that place, then we can tap into the creativity. And we might come up with creative ideas that leapfrog us you know, one year of hard work. Mm. So it is about doing the hard work, but it's also about being as creative as we can be. So we leapfrog those, you know, doing the hard work along the way. Yeah, for sure. And what do you, that's also tapping is just 
figuring out your strength, right? Figuring out what you're really good at and then using those, even if it's not uncomfortable, right? Because even if you have a natural strength and natural talent in your life, there's still going to be so much more possibility to practice and to improve and to get better. And you mentioned grit before, right? There's, there's always mm-hmm. another way to just get to the next level, even if you're already good. And so doing that, so using your strength, right? Whether it's creativity or anything else, mm-hmm. and then upskilling that even further, that's going to take you far, right? And so Absolutely. one thing I wanted to dive into w- with you is, is those transition moments in life, right? Because we talked about a lot of transitions that yeah. you've made and there's lots of stuff going on in life and specifically relating to authentic success. So can you share with us a little bit about, you know, what authentic success really is and the difference between that and and just seeking success, (laughs) how we can, especially in those transitions in life, make sure that we really set ourselves up in a way that actually allows us to create this holistic feeling of success instead of just seeking one little form of it. Beautiful, beautiful. So one thing I do is I write books and I've written a book on happiness and optimum health. And then I decided I wanted to see if I could take my level of success higher over the course of the year. So I write my book over the course of the year and I study up and I do different things. And before I started writing the book, I actually, because when I thought of success, you know, we tend to think of financial, we tend to think of what work we're doing, what position we have in work, a lot of the external stuff. And I I don't know what caused me to do it, but I, I slipped the word authentic out the front of it. And then I asked myself the question, what does it take to have authentic success? And that just deepened, broadened and and went completely holistic. And that created a very different conversation for me. So I talk about, look, someone can look successful financially, but their health can be disastrous. So are they successful? Someone can be financially successful and they have a a strange relationship with their children or a poor relationship with their intimate partner or whatever. Are they successful? So I just say before we actually start on this game of, you know, the journey to success, we need to look at the whole picture. And I'm a big fan of every week. Every week I do a planning session with myself. I have a meeting with myself Monday morning, 9 a.m., where I check in the big picture. And in the guidebook to authentic success, I came up with these eight different categories. So I'll read through them just quickly. Great. pretty self-explanatory. First one's daily joy. Second one, high quality relationships, feeling connected, growing, evolving, meaningful life goals, financial flow, being aligned with authentic self and optimum health and vitality. So so what I want to do is make sure as I'm tearing down the path of having a successful life experience, that I pay greater attention to some of those things that might slip by. I remember a client of mine one time was um, getting into online marketing, creating products. He was in the coaching space, very excited about it, um, wanting to create these things. But I I knew also that he was in a new relationship, recently been married. Um, And I said to him, I said, you need to take care of your relationship. So don't get so involved in your work that you forget to pay attention to a new relationship like, you know, that's recipe for disaster. Unfortunately, like six months down the track, challenges in his relationship because he had put so much of his attention into a specific thing. So for me, I talk about life balance. Life balance isn't, you know, trying to have 33% for self, 33% for professional, 33% for relationships. It's about having a high enough level of conscious awareness so that you can see where your attention is going and you can redirect energy if it needs it. 
And that, if you do it like a, a weekly check-in, you can like can step back and go, ah, I need to put a little bit more attention in my relationship. I've been like <laughs> neglecting my partner and like she needs to be loved up. So I direct my attention there. I want to feel successful in my bones and I want to feel successful in all these things. I want to be successful, feel successful in life. And, and I know all those little things like are going to make the difference. The relationship is going to make the difference. My health is going to make the difference. And I, financial flow is an interesting one because I've found, look, I've worked with people that are like, I don't know, we're 250, 300 mil and still wow. have scarcity issues around money. And <laughs> so what I've found is it's less about the number that we think we need to have to feel financially secure or whatever it is, whatever our terminology is. And it's more about the feeling of flow. Can we create this flow of money when we need it? And that's a really comfortable feeling. So, you know, if finances are low, if you have the belief that you are able to create this flow of financial you know, income back into you, that's where you want to be comfortably. And you don't need to be a millionaire to like have this feeling of financial flow. So this is, you know, I was going deeper into each of these topics. I sort of understood each of them in their own component parts and now put them into this collective whole for myself. Yeah, you know, I love that so much because this process of just constantly checking in with yourself and seeing how am I actually doing in these various areas of my life is so important. I think most people go through life and they're so unconscious, right? So they, what, what I mean by that is, is they just kind of walk through life and they do the same thing again and again and again and never take a step back and ask themselves like, so how's my relationship doing? How am I actually yeah. feeling on a daily basis? Like how, how, am I, how am I actually doing in all these areas? How's my health, right? Mm. Like most people mm. never step back and really ask themselves those tough questions that can honestly be, be painful, right? It can be painful to ask Absolutely. the question when you realize, yeah, I'm, I'm not really feeling good. I don't really like this yeah. job. I don't really, I'm in a relationship that I don't like. And, and that's hard. But we need to yeah. ask ourselves those hard questions when we really want to make a change Absolutely. in our lives. And so I, I love right. that. Yeah, that, that's really holistic definition of success, of really including relationships. Because I think that is really the key to life and, and daily joy, Absolutely. which people oftentimes forget. Like I see so many people being the rat racers, right? They're always like, Absolutely. oh, in 10 years, I'm going to be happy when I finally achieved that goal. Yeah. But like, if you can't be happy today, you're probably not going to be happy in 10 years when you do, <laughs> like, it's, it's not yeah. going to be that different. So Absolutely. I think that that's so important. Yeah. 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 So it's just, and you said, you said it right there. We just need to slow down and become more conscious. And my, my passion in life, my desire for my legacy is that I help raise the level of people's consciousness. I want people to be making, you know, more conscious choices about, everything they do, conscious of the food they put into their mouth, conscious of where does that food come from, conscious of buying stuff, like, and buying stuff, do I need this? And what's the yeah. environmental cost of me doing that? So, like, we're conscious of um, ourselves internally, but everything outside of ourselves as well. So we become better, you know, custodians of the planet and of our communities and that. Like, we become better people, and that's, you know, really what I want my work to be about. And People have the potential. It's a lot of times, like you said, they need to ask themselves the tough questions. You know, those eight things I went through there is a great audit. You know, once a week you sit down and you like check in and you ask yourself honestly, where am I at? And then, you know, it's okay. It's just feedback. It's not failure, it's feedback. And then you courageously show up to do something about it. So we want to live our life courageously. We want to live our life consciously. 
And all of those things will help us grow. And it's in the growing that we have the greatest fulfillment as well. Even if it's uncomfortable, we feel this sense of fulfillment when we do those tough things. Yeah, so, so you already touched upon the, the fulfillment, that the, the really purpose in your own life. And that's something that I see so many people struggle with is, is how do I find my purpose? How do I find the thing that, that I'm meant for, right? The thing that's actually going to make me come alive, right? So do you have any advice for people, you know, they're currently looking, especially, you know, young people, students, we have a lot of students listening yeah. to this. How do you yeah. manage those, those really, you know, just the process of figuring out life, basically, and figuring out yeah, what the yeah. hell am I going to do out of these thousands of things that I could possibly do. <laughs> yeah. I think the first thing is you take the pressure off yourself to nail it in one go for the rest of your life. So a lot of yeah. times it's, it's okay to like, I've had different professional paths along the way and I'm very grateful for all of those because all of those have shaped me into, I call myself a strategist as a result of 14 years in the military, as a result of five years consulting on Olympic games. That allows me, me to be such a more effective coach. So it's okay to like go through and like try these things. Some people might know with absolute certainty what they're going to do, and that's great. But I'd say that's probably less percentage know yeah. that. Most people might have to try different things. And rather than thinking, oh, I've failed, I've done this for two years, and I realize it's not me, that's just feedback for you to like go, okay, that's not the right path. Like take a different path. So if we look at life as the long-term game and we're like, I, I may have to try a few different things to really get my groove. Um, if I could use an example from my own life. So I was consulting again in um, the Olympics in Athens and working for a senior police officer. And what I realized in the consulting part was, you know, I could teach him how to do all he needed to do for the security for the Olympic Games. But the thing I enjoyed the most was emotionally encouraging him. So when he's got wow. things in place, he would turn to me and say, hey, am I doing this? Have I got this right? <laughs> that you know, interaction there was the bit I loved so much. So sometimes we might do a job or do some work and it's stepping back and like looking at what are the pieces and parts of that that I most loved, that I was most in alignment with, that I do without getting paid. And it was like, ah, oh, that's the bit. So then I go, that's the bit I need to move into. And I, you know, investigate what are the ways I can have this experience on a more consistent basis in a professional context. And then I'm like, I need to have the courage. And this is what I've found. And particularly as people, maybe they get 10 years down the track. So for your younger listeners, a lot of people might be 10 years having done a profession and become very good at it. And then it's the challenge of, do I step into doing something that my little heart's calling me to do, or do I keep doing what I've become good at? And a lot of people, unfortunately in life, don't have the courage to step off the known, the familiar path into the path that's more fulfilling. And I stepped off that path and my salary went backwards by about 120%. Well, there was times broke yeah. along the path, challenges, like all of that stuff. But I, it's so much more fulfilling and meaningful and so, so much worthy of me showing up on this planet to do this um, than it would have been me to do the stuff and get the good pay and the, the different experiences that came with that. So it does take courage. Um, these days I would say, look, and I catch a lot of different people whether it's life or business. And I was with a, a couple of girls, I think from... Um, 
are they Dutch or Belgian, maybe Belgian. And they're young girls in their sort of mid-20s and they've put a retreat business together in Bali. I've oh, been wow. going into it two years and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, they've gone through some struggles along the way and I'm so encouraging of them for what they've done, what they've stuck out with it. And the other thing was I, I let them know, they said, oh, you know, we're two years into it and we still haven't got where we want to get. And I'm like, you know, hang on a minute. I said, where do you think Apple was after yeah. two years in it and Microsoft? And, you know, Steve Jobs was probably, you know, fluffing about still in the garage and trying <laughs> to work out, you know, what he was doing or not. So one thing we need to get better at and it's harder for us, you know, as we go through this really fast life and the fast pace of things around us is patience. And like, it's a, it's a superpower. It's, you know, the ability to show up day in, day out, persistence, consistency, those small incremental changes that lead to growth. Like that's the thing that's going to really matter. So, you know, to summarize, finding this purpose might be trying different paths within the things you're doing. Look at what resonates most for you. Um, and, you know, finding those things that keep you in flow. So you work out um, most in flow when they do these particular things and it might be looking at the bigger picture. Speaking to someone who's got an external perspective who you know, isn't involved in your life, and this is my role as a coach, I'm outside of someone's personal story, so I'm not emotionally involved in it. I can maybe see stuff that they couldn't see that's outside of their periphery vision. So I'm a big fan these days and that was one of my biggest mistakes is I didn't ask for help earlier on. So I made some monumental mistakes, lost tens of thousands of dollars and emotional pain for years, investing in core ventures. Like, so on your purpose, on your path, you know, work out a lot of stuff yourself, but then find the people that you trust and will champion you and get their perspective on what they see within yourself. You don't have to exactly follow what they say, but, it gives you other information to make the choices. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And really what I want to highlight here is this aspect of patience and consistency and sticking with it over the long run. Because even, like you said, even when you found your passion, right, you found that thing, you start a business that you've always wanted to start, right? And you're in the middle of it, you've been doing it for two years, it might not work out the exact same way that you plan it, right? You might be like, oh, two years is going to be successful, right? And then it's not. And what's important to realize, I think always, is that like just the process of just the process of going after it is already worth it if you enjoyed it, right? Like so many people get caught up in like, oh, I, I'm not successful yet. I'm not there yet. So that must not be for me. But if you enjoy mm -hmm. the process of actually going after it, of actually, you know, trying to make this happen, and hey, it takes five years rather than two, you haven't lost anything, right? Because you enjoyed the process. And that's such an important point of just, you know, really, I think, always stepping back and asking myself, am I happy right now? Like today, right? Not, not just like, a couple months from now, but like today, am I actually happy? And if not, then what can I do? Right? What can I do to be happy today? Can I see the yeah. friggin' sunrise in the morning? Right? Like, but just doing stuff every day to really make sure you enjoy life. And then yeah. you also talked a lot about courage, and I think this is really a key. So, yeah. can you share with us a little bit about courage and, and specifically also what the difference is between courage and confidence? And <laughs> my favorite subject. I, yeah, I know. I know. I have so many clients coming to me saying they want more confidence. So it's a subject I've delved into. I've looked at lots of different um, directions and I'm very much a thinker. I want to understand these things layer under layer under layer. 
And this is what I've found. I've found that with my clients, I tell them to put this idea, I want more confidence to the side. I say, what I'm going to challenge you to do is make more courageous choices. And it's much easier for someone to identify specific things that they could do more courageously than it is to figure out things to be more confident. And I was, I've written a blog post about this just, just a few days ago. So I'll give you the link for that as well. Because I was saying, look, the Dalai Lama, does the Dalai Lama work on his confidence? Like, it's not even... <laughs> no, like Oprah not on his mind. Just, I don't feel confident. Yeah. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, does she work on her confidence? No, she doesn't. She works on being tenacious and vulnerable and creative and tenacious and like all of these things. So my teaching these days is when we're showing up courageously, when we choose to live a courageous life, when we choose to have courageous conversations, when we choose to deliver that presentation courageously, when we choose to go to that job interview courageously, what people are seeing as a confident person I see confidence as a byproduct of living courageously. So if you want return on investment, focus your attention on being more courageous. And a lot of this confidence will take care of itself. It'll be the byproduct and it'll catch up with you. So that's my, my two cents worth on the courage and confidence. Yeah. I love that. You know, the way I always look at it is like, it's confidence is, is almost like a thermometer not a thermostat, right? So what I mean by that is confidence is really, it's a measurement tool, right? It's a measurement tool yeah. of the courage and of your skill set and whatever. But by, by, by changing the confidence, you don't actually change anything else, right? You're just like yeah. messing up the measurement instrument, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so I mean, there's, there's been in, a, in the United States, I think over the last couple of decades, it's really been always this movement on like, we got to make our kids feel good, right? And so you give them, you know, you raise their confidence, right? You tell them, oh, you're the greatest, you're the best. Yeah. You, you're so amazing yeah. at this. But what happens is researchers found you create narcissists because yeah, you know you just yeah. tell people over and over again you're the best you're the best you're the best and they haven't actually done it all you do yeah. is, is you you mess up this this measurement system right but you don't actually change anything and so i think yeah. this like you said this, this focus on courage and the actual yeah. values and the actual skills that we can yeah. you know bring in life focusing on that is then also going to yeah. change the way that you feel confident right but it's actually going to you know, have a measurable impact and that is so important yeah. Yeah, those are, and it's like, um, those are more virtues, like your courage, like they are just more deep. And as you're saying, like, for me, confidence is a bit service level and it's a bit shallow and that sort of thing. But when we work on that from the inside out, building up those virtues of courage and vulnerability and tenacity and commitment and focus, like all of those things are going to make a huge impact. One thought that come to mind that I'd, just, I'd so love to share with, um, with your listeners is what I've found to be the most impactful technique or thing I do that has allowed me to do everything I've done for the last 20 years is a meditation practice. I so wish I'd started, you know, when I was 17 or 19 or 21 or 25 or 35. <laughs> I sort of started like a regular practice when I was... I'll be about 39, 38, 39, a daily practice. But it's one of those things that increases our focus, our creativity, increases our ability to manage stress, increases our ability to maintain a broad perspective, increases our ability to stay in the nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system and 
stay relaxed when everyone else is going crazy around us. So it really is a superpower for me. And I think, you know, if you can integrate it into your life and every day when you sort of drop in and do some meditation, you're almost doing a reboot, you know, just like your computer, turn it off, reboot it. It comes fresh. So it doesn't matter what yesterday was about and whether you won or lost or whatever, irrelevant, yesterday <laughs> passed. Do the reboot, just plug in, quiet down, get creative and then move forward with that. So I just wanted to wedge that in there just in case. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely love that because I think it, it's so important, right? And, and like, because people always, they always understand the, the physical training, right? The training their physical body, their biceps, they go to the gym, yeah. that kind of stuff. But people don't yeah. really apply the same kind of logic to the mindset when the mindset yeah. is really the one thing that determines your life. And so I thank you for bringing that up, for really mentioning that this power of just meditation or having some kind of mindfulness practice of just you know, bring yourself back to today and not getting caught up in drama and negativity and unhelpful beliefs and all that stuff. So I think it's so important, yeah. Now, Carl, yeah. on the show, we always love to celebrate failure. So do you have a favorite <laughs> failure in your life? <laughs> failure yes, that kind of made yes. you step back, realize like, hey, something isn't working, but then actually made you come back stronger afterwards? Many of them. I've got... Love that. <laughs> so, so when I moved to Bali, I got involved in a um, business venture. So I came in, I'd been consulting in the Middle East, so I'd saved up a bunch of money, came here with a wad of cash in my savings. Met some people and started talking about business and someone came up with this great business concept. We're going to create boutique backpackers. You know, this is 12 years ago, so it wasn't a saturated market then. Um, but I had this sense in my stomach that the person I was going to go into business with was a bit shallow, only wanted to hang out with attractive young women. Oh, okay. Like, it was around about my age. So part of me was saying, you know, this person is shallow, but... Then my brain logicalizes mm. and says, oh, but the business plan. Is yeah, so but, but I can make money. <laughs> oh, like, you know, this looks so awesome. So stomach, my gut's telling me this. So I invest um, money into that, like I invested about 60,000 US into oh, wow. that. And it took seven years. It was a disaster of a project. I probably got about $5,000 back in, um, what's the name, return on investment, <laughs> and then lost the entire amount of money that I'd invested. Oh, sure, sure. And we got kicked off the site. Mm. Because what happened was the business was created to look good, but it didn't have any heart and soul. It didn't operate well. It didn't have a good um, legal structure. Like It was a complete mess. So it mm. was just a, a business disaster. And that... You know, I suffered through that for years, trying to like disentangle myself mm. from it. And I thought I'd be disentangled and then get pulled back into it. So that was one of the most painful and most challenging um, failures. And for me, I'm like, I'm an optimist. So I sort of call it now, you know, I've reframed it. It's my business MBA. I figured about 60,000 US for an MBA. That sounds yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's about right. <laughs> Absolutely. So that allowed me to succeed in my next business. So the yoga center was highly successful, an amazing international reputation, financially profitable. I was able to buy a house as a result of, you know, being involved in the business. So, you know, time and time again, we get to see that our biggest failures lead to our biggest successes. We don't know it at the time. And well, I guess the thing is, it's what meaning we give to that failure that determines whether we go on to success or we go on to being a, you know, bitter, miserable, you know, grumpy person. 
<laughs> for sure, for sure. And I think what's important is really, first of all, like you say, the, this process of stepping back and actually learning the lesson. And also, like you mentioned, like actually trusting your instinct sometimes, right? Because, because like you said, you, you felt like there was something shady going on, right? You felt like yeah. it wasn't the right fit. And sometimes I think yeah. we need to trust our gut and really be like, hey, it's like that person or that business idea, whatever, it doesn't feel right. Mm. It might not be. And so I think that's, yeah. that's really important, yeah? Yeah. There's a great book. Uh, I think it's called Three Brains. But essentially the concept is when you're making a decision, it's like checking on the heart. What's the wisdom of my heart telling me about this particular thing? Then checking on the head, like, you know, from a head perspective, intelligence perspective, wisdom perspective, what's this got to tell me? And then checking on the gut. So if we use all three of those, we're more likely to make a more intelligent, informed, intuitive decision than if we just use either the head or the gut to the heart. So it's a nice little, nice little tool to use. For sure. Now, Carl, we, on today's show, we talked a lot about happiness and fulfillment, um, which I think is really the most important thing in life. So what brings you personally the most happiness and joy? <laughs> um, doing what I do, and this is, I guess, when you know you're doing your, your life's work and that sort of stuff. Like, whenever I'm, so I might feel nervous before I give a presentation, but once I drop into that presentation, it's pure joy. I, I know that my, you know, and if you use um, the yogic terminology, my dharmic path, I love adventuring into the unknown to try and figure stuff out quick. I have a thirst for knowledge. Then I love trying it on myself to see what works and what doesn't. And then I love sharing it with other people. So for me, like this sharing thing, like it just brings me such joy. And that's why I'm so grateful for you asking me to come on this podcast because <laughs> you know, this is bringing me an immense amount of joy, being able to use my 50 years on the planet to serve your you know, listeners. Yeah, we certainly appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, that's when, you know, you, you truly feel a deep sense of fulfillment and um, you know, a deep sense of gratitude for, for being here. So I'll be happy for the rest of the day as a result <laughs> of having this conversation with you, Max. So, <laughs> that's so great. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> but, but, but you mentioned one point, which is really relationships and having that actual conversations and especially those deep conversations in life, right? Because I feel like that is really for me what I get the most joy from as well is having those yeah. deep, meaningful conversations, not just, Oh, what are you doing on the weekend? Right. But like, yeah. actually, Hey, what's going Like, how are you feeling? Right. What, what makes you happy? What brings you joy in life? And then really talking mm. about how you can actually live a better life, talking about vision and goals. And I found that, you know, talking to people like you, which is really amazing, or even just friends, you know, having those more informal conversation yeah. around like, Hey, what are you trying to do? Like, what makes you happy? Mm. What's actually going on in your life? Mm. I think that's so important for actually building deep relationships and building a deep sense of fulfillment and meaning in our lives is that we actually have those conversations with people around us. So, so that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was Tony Robbins said the quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of the relationships you have in your life. 100%. Hmm. So it helps us feel connected in life as well. And we're in a day and age where we too often keep things pretty superficial, Instagrams, Facebooks, all of that. And we don't do enough conversing at a deep level and at heart-centered. So someone can be in the middle of a crowd and feel deeply lonely and deeply disconnected because they aren't having that heart-to-heart -heart connection with someone and that conversation at a deeper level. For sure, for sure. Now, Carl, today we talked about a lot of tips, a lot of strategies and <laughs> insights. What would you say if you had to give our listeners some homework, one thing they have to do or they should do, you know, 
um, that you could encourage them to really change their lives, what would it be? Mm, choosing one, that's a tough one. So <laughs> yeah. um, I think doing a weekly check-in, like, you know, looking at like my thing with eight things and like doing that weekly audit. So checking in, because what I find is people might be six or 12, or 18 months or 10 years down the track. They've never taken the time to check in and say, you know, is, is this really good for me? Is this good for others? And is this good for the greater good? So my encouragement would be for people to take time out on a weekly basis to check in so that they can make the course corrections on their life and they can bring a level of conscious awareness so they can be a co-creator in their destiny. Absolutely. I absolutely love that because that process of checking in constantly with yourself is so powerful and I've realized this in my own life as well because it's so easy to forget really like some areas of our lives that are actually so important. And so I love that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, Carl, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? What's your favorite platform, favorite social media? Um, I'm pretty average at the social media thing. So if someone goes onto my website, carlmassey.com, and sign up for the newsletter. Like I send out a newsletter every couple of weeks and that's where I go deep on the topic. So I like to be the person who goes a little bit deeper. So for those people that want to like, ah, oh, okay, I want to see how this actually fits together so I can take that and incorporate it into my own life. So that would be the best way to stay in touch with me. Um, I'm going to bring a podcast out in 2020 and oh, nice. how <laughs> about that um, as a result of staying plugged into to the newsletters there. So that's the best way for me. Fantastic. Going to link to that. Yeah, for our listeners, the, um, the email newsletter, really fantastic, really going really deep, uh, what Carl's doing there. So, so definitely I've gotten a lot of value from that. Um, so, so yeah, definitely check that out. Now, final question, what does mental mastery mean to you? I, and I pause and I pause, you know, purposefully because um, mental mastery is actually being able to slow down, quiet the mind, see the bigger picture and be plugged into mother nature, source, call it whatever you will. So mental mastery is like, I'm like deeply centered, grounded and in this eternal present moment. That's, that's mastering my mind so then I can make my best decisions. I can see most clearly. I can make my best choices. So for me, that's mental mastery is this calm quietness. All right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that will hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gain. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to, you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this, you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. To really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, a friend, a loved one maybe, that you think could benefit from this content, please consider, you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them, 
as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.